this morning. Most gracious and eternal Father, we again are grateful to you for these shared moments together in worship. We are thankful for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth with our sisters and our brothers. We ask now as we prepare to look into the treasures of your word that you will touch our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your truth. Our ears that we may hear your truth, our minds that we may understand and comprehend the truth of your word, but most importantly, touch our hearts this morning that we may receive with meekness your word, which is able to save all souls. Evangelize every sinner, edify, energize your church, exalt your glorious name, speak Lord, for we your servants, we're listening. And isn't the mighty, magnificent, majestic, matchless name that's above every name in the name of Jesus we pray. All believers say amen. amen. I told Dr. Cleveland that I'm going to allow him to delve and deal with the theme of our series tomorrow. Um, today, I, I wanted to give fresh bread from a familiar passage. Um, I hope that will encourage you. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. And I want to look at verses 1 through 11 of this passage, but I will only read verses 1 and 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. When you have found your copy of God's Word, we invite you to stand with us as we read the Scripture aloud. The Gospel of Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesareth, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. He saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. For a few moments, I want to talk from this thought. Stop washing your nets. Stop washing your nets. Stop washing your nets. That's a familiar poem. All of us are familiar with it. It has about four stanzas, but I only want to look and quote Stanzas one and four. It says, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you are trugging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the depths are high, when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Stanza four says, success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the cloud of doubt and you never can tell how close you are. It might be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Brothers and sisters, we've all had moments when we have grown weary, tired, and frustrated from the struggles of life. Life is a struggle. Many times we go into life or began life naively and with naivety, 
thinking that life is just a steady upward climb. But many of us now can testify that life is like climbing up the rough side of a mountain that also has some dips and valleys, some plateau moments, some moments where you feel like you're stuck, and some moments where you feel like you're making progress, and then moments where you feel like you're just going backwards and you're, reject, you're regressing, and life just gets difficult. And as a result of that, all of us, no matter how saved we are, no matter how much we love God, no matter how long we've been in the church, all of us have moments where the thought of giving up comes across our mind. The thought of just throwing in the towel and saying, I've just had about enough of this as I can take. Life is a struggle, and as we struggle, we do get tired, we do grow weary, we do have seasons of frustration. Kurt Franklin said on yesterday concerning TBN and the Dove Awards and other gospel awards shows that have given him awards but then would edit his speeches because of his social consciousness that he would speak out against police brutality and speak out against injustice and racism in our world that those who would be in the editing room of the producing room would edit out those aspects of his speech so the general public would not be able to hear from him. And he went on Instagram on yesterday and he said this, I almost feel like quitting. It's something about when you're facing the reality that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you try to do what's right, when you're facing systemic injustice and oppression and when you're also dealing with the obstacles that life brings to every individual, the saved and the unsaved, you do have that moment. You just say, I feel like quitting. I felt like quitting. I, I wanted to give up. And in this text, this morning, Jesus is hosting or conducting a lakeside revival. He's down by the lake of Genesaret. And the Bible says that it's then late in the evening. Sun is going down. And the crowd is pressing in to hear what the Savior has to say. The people are hungry for the living bread. The people are hungry to hear the word as it is um, as it is given and as it is um, presented by the living word. They they are there to hear what Jesus has to say, and the crowd is pressing so much that now the Savior's heels are starting to feel water because the people keep coming closer and closer in. And the Bible says that as Jesus looked around. He notices that there were two boats that were empty because the fishermen were washing their nets. From the context of the text, we recognize why these fishermen are washing their nets. Because Peter will later tell Jesus that we've been out here all night long. We've been out here all day from sun up to sundown, and we have not caught anything. These men are washing their nets 
because they're tired, they're frustrated, and they feel as if their work is going unrewarded and they've been unproductive. And you can see them over on the side of the shore complaining about what has transpired throughout the course of that day. Can't you hear their complaints? I could have done this today. I didn't want to come out here this morning. I, I had so many other things that I wanted to do, but I decided to come to work and try to make a living, try to produce something to carry home to the missus and my children. But I've been out here all day long. I've been trying and struggling, and I've been throwing my net overboard and pulling it back up all day long. And I'm going home empty-handed. And somebody said, we ought to just knock off. We've had enough of this. And they are washing their nets because they know that if we don't wash our nets and and, and spread the nets, and and if we don't wash them and and let them dry, um, the nets will rot and break. So to make sure that they can be useful the next time, they're now going through the protocol of how to close down a day's work. While they are over there washing the nets, Jesus asked Simon, do you mind if I borrow your boat? Jesus wants to turn the boat into a pulpit. One theologian said every pulpit is nothing but a a boat in which the preacher stands in the boat trying to catch men for the kingdom of God. And Jesus is sitting there on the boat and he's teaching the word of God. And the Bible says that he's finally concluded his message. It's time to give the benediction. And he's dismissed the crowd and he turns to Peter and says, Peter, cast out into the deep. Let down your nets for a drought. Uh, Brothers and sisters, Peter's response to Jesus is honest. He says, now I know you just got here a couple of hours ago. But we've been out here all day long. And master, we have not caught anything. But then Peter says something. He says, but nevertheless, the facts are we've been here all day. The facts are we're tired. The facts are we're frustrated. The facts are we've already clocked out. The facts are we're getting ready to go home. But nevertheless, because you said so, we will let down the net. Brothers and sisters, the command that Jesus gives is responded to by Peter with a response of faith. Peter says, um, because you said it. I'm going to do it because you said it. Peter Peter said, I don't know whether anything good is going to come out of this. But because you said it. I'm going to be obedient to what you said. I'm, I'm not saying that, um, uh, that, that, you're, that when we do this, uh, something different is going to transpire. But because you said it, and I wish that God believers would get to the point where we stop worrying about what the results are and just concern ourselves with being obedient to God. It does not matter what would happen as a result of it. We ought to just do it because he said it. 
response. He said it. He'll let down the day. This is a faith response, though. I believe Peter believes that if Jesus says it, something different will happen. I just believe that deep down in Peter's spirit, he recognized that it's one thing to do it because I want to do it. It's another thing to do it because Jesus said do it. It's one thing to do it because it was a good idea. It's another thing to do it when it's a God idea. And Peter says because it's your idea. We're going to do what you said. This is a faith response. And brothers and sisters, the only thing that can cause you to try again when life has worn you out, the only thing that'll make you go out when you're tired and weary and frustrated is having faith in God. There's something about having faith in God that will make you try again even when you made up your mind, I'm done with it. There's something about faith that is counterintuitive. There's something about faith that seems foolish to the faithless. There's something about faith that will stare down the facts and stubbornly refuse to give in to what you see. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith says all things are possible to those who believe. There's something about faith that will make you try again. Make you try again. Those who believe in that the impossible is possible. Faith makes you hang your hopes on. Hang on in there when you have nothing to hang your hopes on. Faith causes you to hope when things seem hopeless. As the Bible says, the Bible says about Abraham, he hoped against hope. When there was nothing else to hope in, faith said, I have hope anyway. And Peter says, I'm going to do it because I have faith in your word. What does this mean, um, brothers and sisters? This means that while everybody else was washing their nets, while everybody else was stretching out the nets, preparing for the next day, I believe Peter joined the congregation at the Lakeside Revival. Y'all hear me? I believe that while the rest of them were washing their necks, Jesus Peter decided to leave the crew and join the congregation. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Peter says, nevertheless, at your word. It's something about hearing God's word that makes you trust God's word that will make you apply God's word. About faith, Peter says, because I've heard the word. Somebody here this morning, you are washing your nets because the struggle has been so hard. You're washing your nets because you've had just about as much as you can take. You're washing your nets because you feel like the end is already inevitable. You're washing your nets because somebody else has wrote you off. Someone else said you couldn't do it. Somebody else said it was too late. 
and you're washing your nets. There are some people who are washing their nets right now about our institution. Then some of us have even started washing our nets. But I believe, my brothers and sisters, that if we can hear the word of God, the word of God can bring us up our faith. The word of God will make us say it's not over. The word of God will say that God is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. There's something about the word of God. And when you hear, when you hear the word of God, that word of God makes you start trusting. That word makes you start believing. That word gives you hope. That word helps you to endure. That word helps you to overcome your moment of frustration. And if you're here tonight and this morning and you are washing your nets, I want to challenge you. Get in the word. Hear the word. Trust the word and allow the power of the word to revive your faith so that you will stop washing your nets. Because it may look like it's over, but God is not through with you yet. Believers, believers must have faith in the word of God in order to endure moments of frustration. I'll say it again, believers must have faith in the word of God in order to endure moments of frustration. Peter says, because you said so. And listen, let me show you this. Faith that's rooted in the word is not blind optimism. Faith that's rooted in the word is not reach up and grab it. Faith that's rooted in the word is not high five your neighbor. Faith that's rooted in the word is not check your mailbox. Faith that's rooted in the word is not telling you that your season is on the way. Faith that's rooted in the word is not promising you that prosperity will happen overnight. But faith in the word will do two things. It will defy reasonable logic. Faith in the word will defy reasonable logic. Let me just bottom line it for you. Faith in the word will defy common sense. Common sense will say one thing, but faith in the word will say something else. And in this text, common sense said to Peter, don't go back out there. You've been out there all night. You've been out there all day. You're getting ready to go home. Why would you go back out there? Common sense says, well, Jesus, we'll come back and try again in the morning. Common sense says, don't do it. And some of us are stuck in the same place because we've been relying on common sense more than faith in the word of God. God would never ask you to do anything that makes common sense. If it makes common sense, then you may take some of the credit for the results of it. But when it goes against your reasonable rationale and you receive the blessings of it, then you and everybody around you knows it wasn't anybody but the Lord. It defies common sense. But here's the last thing. It defies expert opinion. Yes, sir. 
Peter is a fisherman by trade. Now, I love when you study the disciples because everybody act like Jesus went and picked a bunch of broke folk All right. to be his disciples. He was just broke. Read your Bible. Peter and John, um, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were partners in fishing. And they had received their business from their fathers. Which means they're not rich, but they ain't broke either. And they've been doing this for a long time because Peter is a second generation fisherman. He's been watching his daddy do it. And then he sat on his daddy's tutelage. Peter knows about fishing. And Jesus is a carpenter by trade. And here is a carpenter is trying to give a fisherman advice about how to complete what he's been doing all his life. And expert opinion says that when it gets late in the evening, you don't go out in deep water. Fish in the shallow waters. Because most of the time, the fish will be found in shallow waters when it's late in the evening. So here's the thing. Common sense said, go home. Expert opinion said, at least stay in the shallow water. But Jesus said, go out into the deep. And here it is, uh, his faith in the word defies the expert opinion that he's learned over the course of his life. Well, I'm done. Peter said, okay, since you said so. Y'all, come on back down here. Bring your necks. We need to go back out. Everybody need to go out. Some of them stayed on the shore. But Peter, whoever was willing, went out. See, 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 my time is up. But but, but some of us are waiting on everybody to come with us. But when the Lord is calling on you to do something, if you're waiting on 100% participation, you're going to be paralyzed in the same position. And so Peter has to go out there without 100% participation. He goes out there with whoever goes with him. And they go and let the nets die. And all of a sudden, the nets began to break. (laughs) Hold on. We were washing our nets and stretching the nets in order to prevent the nets from breaking. But when we went out there when Jesus told us to, the fish came at such a large large drought that the net began to break. And then the ones they were able to get, they began to throw them in on the boat. And the boat began to sink. And then all of a sudden, the ones who stayed on the shore and thought they were crazy for going out in the deep water. The ones that were on the shore said, look at them foolish boys going out there listening to that little Jewish carpenter boy that don't know what he's talking about. All of a sudden they say, y'all better come help us. <laughs> they go out there, get them some fish. Yes, sir. Right. And the Bible says, 
they got so many fish uh-huh. that listen, not only did they get nets full, uh-huh. they got boats full. Uh-huh. They got so many fish yes. that the boats began to sink. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Yes, I'm done. But oh, look at what the Lord can do. Jesus shows up and you have been struggling because you didn't catch anything. But by the time you get to listening to the word and applying the word, suddenly your struggle is not that you didn't catch anything. Your struggle is you got too much down. Oh, bless his name. Uh, I went from nothing to more than enough. I went from being empty to being more than full. I I went from being a broke to having overflow and I did it God's way. The Bible says that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you don't have room to receive them. God knows how to bless you if you're doing God's way. Y'all got an excuse me. To all of my students, I know we ain't going to do all of it today. I got to let you get out of here. But the fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, uh, there's been a lot of people who started washing their nets. Moses started washing his. He said, I'm tired of these folk. I'm trying to lead them. God, just go ahead and kill me. Moses started washing his nets prematurely, but he didn't recognize that God was able to lead them from the wilderness to the threshold of a promised land. Oh, yes, he did. Not only that, Jeremiah started washing his nets prematurely. He was ready to resign. He said, I wasn't going to speak anymore his name, but his word was in me like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And Jeremiah would tell you, don't wash your nets too quickly. And then these same disciples, one day when they crucified the Lord of life, the Bible says that they decided to wash their gospel nets. And they stopped preaching and went back to fishing. But Jesus said, you must have forgotten what I promised you in my word. I told you that they were going to kill me. But on the third day, I was going to rise from the dead. They started washing their nets too quickly. Because on Sunday morning, Jesus got up from the dead with all power in his hand. So as I leave you, Selma University, to all of my faculty and friends, to all of my colleagues and peers, I know that it's difficult right now, but I stop by to tell you, don't wash your nets. The Lord is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. Ain't it all right? Shout yeah! Shout yeah!